Hi, you're listening to another episode of the Birthday Bros Kickball Podcast, where we talk about all things kickball in the LFK, Lawrence, Kansas, the KBKL. Enjoy. Or don't. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> hey guys, welcome to Birthday Bros, episode four or five. Of this season. Of yep. this season, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm David. And I'm Simon Skinner. And we have with us... This. <laughs> Let's see if we can say it at the same time. And today... Today is... What? Go ahead. We have someone with us. By the name of Betsy Peterson. Hi, Betsy Peterson. My better half. Uh, Betsy, what team do you play on? I play for Black Stag. And what other team do you play on? Um, Like for traveling kickball? Uh I play on uh, Lisa Frank kickball, um, local traveling team. Nice. Um, 3-6-5. You guys had a pretty good show last tournament? We did. We played a couple weeks ago in the Kansas City tournament and uh, fortunately made it to the championship. Had a really good day. Um, no bad innings until the championship, and we had one bad inning. But it was uh, it, it was fun to be there and to kind of show some people up. We beat um, a pretty high-up club, uh, Mile High Kickball, and that was oh, pretty nice. satisfying. Um, and then their claimed super availables team um, held them scoreless too. So that felt we had a, several really good victories in that, even though we didn't end up with the belt. So I think uh, a number two spot's still awesome. Yeah, we still got paid. Yeah. <laughs> so that's cool. <laughs> yeah, that's more than I do. Yeah, <laughs> that is true. Well, it was wel- fun. Well, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so today we're going to talk about uh, breaking down basically a game, so reflecting on a game, and then reflecting on a season, so as the season's kind of coming to a close. So we'll kind of just start with breaking down a game, and I guess the way that I would look at this is maybe game's over, and now you've got to reflect on that and see what changes maybe you should make, um, or just how you process all of that. I know we had the... We were able to talk with uh, John Gassaway, the sports psychologist earlier, and uh, what he gave that analogy of like, if it's ever a bad game, flushing it down the toilet. <laughs> yeah, that reset mentality. Yeah, uh-huh. for sure. So um, we'll just kind of start out, and I guess I'll, I'll just kind of dive into it with breaking down a game. So one thing that I just look at, and this is I've, I've done it watching some of your games, I've done it watching like other teams outside of kind of the mid-level side of it and I look at kind of the major plays that happened so were there any like uh, super plays like uh, obviously having Dan on on our team I get to witness a handful of super plays like the double play that he tags somebody out and the ball bounces back to him and then he runs and tags somebody else you know not things that I do um, (laughs) but definitely things that some people do uh you look at i mean sometimes the errors mm-hmm. um that you think had that gone the other way that game would have been ours and so i kind of view it as the uh the luck rule where on the really big plays uh if they make them right luck is in your favor sure. and you've got a real good chance of winning that game uh versus when they don't go your way 
if you're not making an adjustment, sometimes that can result in uh, losing a game. Yeah, I mean, I got, you talk about big plays. I think about like clutch moments too, like like who really came through in the, in the big moments. And I think back to an early memory of like actually watching high level teams. I watched uh, Happy Shirt. I think they were Pita Pit at the time playing maybe Love Garden, and it was just a really big moment. And I think I want to say it was John Peach just like the game was on the line and he he crushed it over the right fielder's head to like basically win the game. And you know it's just one of those things that you can reflect on. Whereas like just how one play can completely change the dynamic of of the game, and you always want to celebrate that kind of thing. Yeah. You know yeah. that moment single plays can have so much momentum behind it and it can completely shift an entire game, which is one thing that I think is interesting and interesting mostly for all sports, not even just kickball. Like you can have these big plays or even kind of small little minute plays that keep building up and then it can change the momentum. So I think highlighting those and, you know, pointing them out is like a good thing, especially for, you know, when the people deserve the credit that credit when credit's due yeah i think that's probably a better way to explain instead of saying luck Mm -hmm. it really i mean it's luck with momentum sure Mm -hmm. um so do you i mean when you when you break down a game um i know i I as an individual Mm -hmm. i look at did i do did i make that play or did i not literally the first game of kickball i was ever part of (laughs) city league kickball left field we're down by like one bottom of the ninth mm-hmm. and there's a runner on second and third mm-hmm. with like one out and I'm in left field and they bomb it and I missed the catch. Mm-hmm. First game ever. Eight years ago. Still is like burning in, <laughs> in my brain. Yeah. In my brain. Which kind of, which sucks, but do you think there's a validity in like looking at that in one game? Like when you reflect on a game or do you think that like you look at that on more of like the season side of it. Well, for me, 100% there's validity to it because that's the best teacher in life is failure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like you said, it's ingrained in your head. So now if you were in that same situation, how do you adjust from it? I mean, it's it's just that that'll affect your entire career or whatever, you're, whatever sport mm-hmm. you're playing, you know? So, yeah, it's a, it's a huge lesson. Huge lesson. And you can, I mean, like you said, you learn from it too. It's like the best thing. You'll probably never let that happen again. You'll read whoever it is that's up to kick a little bit better now that you've been a little bit more experienced and you know some of the people, but mm-hmm. I guarantee you, you probably will never get burned No, I, I mean, burned it, it definitely has. I'm still, I'm sure I've still gotten burned, but I uh, think that, yes, it definitely yeah. has shifted how understanding, all right, in that situation now, um, I'd rather play back a little bit and let a ball drop in <laughs> right. versus allowing those two runs to, right. to score. Um, well, so when I look at something like that, so let's say in your game uh, you've got someone that makes a big mistake mm-hmm. and you're a captain. Is that something that in one game that you say, all right, um, I'm going to take note of that or it's just kind of, it just happens? Um, I you take note of it just for the to prepare for the accumulative like effect of it like so if it becomes a pattern so of course there's there's players that you know that you you have a long history with so you know their body of work mm-hmm. and you you know like that was kind of like an outlier 
situation you know like that i mean people make mistakes that's always going to happen like uh it's like death and taxes it's always you're going to make mistakes so um so yeah i mean you have to take an account but you don't like especially early in the season it's not like a something you need to like dwell upon you know right that's one thing that i i noticed like some teams are able to do better than others um like my, my personal attack if i make a mistake and I, I mean, I know it, and I own up to it, apologize to my team, and do whatever I can to shake it off and move on because I don't want it to dwell on me, and then I continue to mess up over and over again because I'm playing that, oh, woe is me, everybody feel bad for me card. So, like, saying, look, hey, guys, that was my bad. I'll make up for it, I promise. Like, and giving them that promise and in some way, shape, or form, find a way to make up for it, whether that be the next defensive play that comes to you, you make that next step ahead and you get the lead runner out as opposed to the person that fa- it coming to first or something like that or when you next time you're up to kick you get on base or you move your base runner and get on base or you know in some way shape or form you make up for it and i think at that point you actually have to play you have to play smarter mm-hmm. like it forces once you team. once you make a mistake uh that's like uh with john Gassaway. Mm-hmm. i mean he talked about having that reset button yeah talked about figuring out what that is like do I need to go over and retie my shoes to know that that is a mental reset for me if I'm not able to do it on my own? Uh, but it's the difference between a, a team. So you brought up it being one time and, hey, I know the body of work of this player or I'll just backlog it just in case it happens over and over again. Mm-hmm. And you brought it up as an individual. Mm-hmm. So is there a way that you think that you can actually – as a captain, be able to help someone reset that? I personally have not experienced that side of it. Uh, and I'm not, I have nothing against, you know, uh, Dan or anybody like that, uh, Amanda on our, you know, on our team. But I, as a, as a captain, I just don't know if there's a way that a captain can really come in or if you've ever seen that where a captain's come in and kind of reset it for someone or reset the team. Um, I've seen it like, I guess, way more like fluidly um, with our old captain Phil. Like he's just, he's really good at just um, making a really funny joke or, you know, just doing something to kind of lighten the mood and that kind of resets us. Um, I've had like, um, you know, teammates like CJ where he'll, you know, he gets the team hyped. You know, he, you know, come on guys, let's huddle together. Let's do, let's talk about this and. You know, and I, I, I do that on occasion as well. Um, it's it's hard to reset an entire team. Yeah. Um, it really is, and it it takes, I think probably like an, an innate ability and maybe, maybe a skill that you developed over time, like being a captain. But yeah, it's. I mean, if you have any answers for me, I, I would like. Let's <laughs> <laughs> kind of uh, continue on that. Um, I think that there's an art form to when the time is right to make to hit that reset button Mm because sometimes you realize that might be a little bit too late that there's been a lot of maybe you have a really bad inning and afterward you're trying to get back after that but there may that inning might have been detrimental and several runs have been scored or something like that and so trying to find the time to do that um like I've seen teams do it like several like almost every inning like really just trying to get something going and they Mm -hmm. just keep doing this reset thing and it's 
not really them. It wears off. It right? wears off. Yeah. The, the effect isn't there. So yeah. the timing of it, I think, is just as key as the actual reset itself. Mm-hmm. Is that planning that strategically that you kind of nip it in the bud as soon as you can. Um, and I think, you know, he, Simon as a captain, I think he does a nice job of like feeling that out. And he won't make us huddle unless he's really got something to say and wants wants to wants us all to reset basically and because he's been on that where we just keep you know huddling and huddling and it's not really productive i think i think it's hard to take a step back in the heat of a like a passionate game or a a heated game um with something like that it kind of goes into talking about understanding the player so like one thing that i have learned over this season is that Initially, I'm a very fundamental player. Like, I know who's kicking, so I know I should probably stand here. I know instinctively that if I'm in right field, I'm going to run to first to try and back up first. Mm-hmm. I know that I'm going to gap kick if there's no one on. If someone's on, I'm going to bunt the ball. Like, all these things that to me are just fundamental. And I would get really upset when I would be on first and the player behind me wouldn't bunt to advance mm-hmm. my, myself as well as the other person on second. Yeah. But I think it goes to understanding the player. Uh, this is something that just dawned on me probably in the last week and a half. I haven't been able to play, so I've just been reflecting on kickball. Um, <laughs> and it's there are some players that are fundamental players, and I think that there are some players that are just more of your clutch. They make the big plays, mm-hmm. and you can't yell at them or you can't expect them to be like all right i need you to do this fundamental thing right now Mm -hmm. because you tell that to dan and dan will actually do it dan will every now and then i'll be like you just got a bot to advance us Mm -hmm. and it works because the whole you know the whole opposite side of the team is backed up 20 feet 30 feet Mm -hmm. um but it's not his it's not his nature right to do that it's his nature to make a huge play to go all out, you know, and so for me, it's been something about just understanding what type of player it is in order to coach him, because that's been a, a, a reflection point when I've looked back at games and been like, this person should have bunted the ball. Mm-hmm. Right. All they needed to do was bunt, and instead they kicked away, and it led to something else. So that was a something that I've just reflected on, I guess, recently. Yeah, I, I mean, I have that internal monologue with myself a lot just because I'm really confident in my ability to base kick and kick gappers, you know, but you know, when there's a runner on first and there's no outs, I I have to have that inner, you know, yeah, yeah, eat that, that, <laughs> yeah, that dialogue with myself. Like, Hey, like what, if I was watching someone else in this situation, what would I tell them to do? And it would be on the ground up one, you know, like a push a bun up one. And so I have to like, you know, listen to that inner inner coach, I guess, and coach myself. Sometimes I don't listen to it, to mm-hmm. be honest, and and it, and to my detriment, maybe every once in a while. But sometimes, you know, I can you know place a kick, so it's hard. Well, do you think that there is? So this kind of goes back to what I'm kind of trying to analyze for myself. Yeah. Is that so I'm a fundamental player. I would not view you. I mean, you are. Let's be clear. Like you're, mm. you're a great player, mm. but you also have, you know, the ability to bomb the ball further than most people, mm-hmm. and the ability to make a big play. Mm-hmm. So in that situation, yes, fundamentally, 
Okay, a bunt up first would be great, and in your situation would probably advance both of you, but also you have the ability to probably 15% of the time bomb it over a right fielder. Right. And it wouldn't even necessarily have to be a bomb in that scenario. I mean, mm-hmm. it could be just be like a very well-placed base kick that moves your runner, and maybe the play is going to be 2-1, but he's got speed enough to get him there. So that's one thing that, like, at least... I've noticed, um, especially in like the three six five league, so we have coaches mm-hmm. um, that h- help us out and they talk to us about what they want us to do before each kick. Um, and in our very first game of our last tournament, we were just doing what we were supposed to be told, and there was a scenario um, where Sarah Riley was up and we had um, runners on one and two with, I think, one out, and our coach said, to, you know, um, try to go to right field and in that scenario she did and it didn't work out they didn't move runners and she was uncomfortable with it she was ready to bunt up one and move her base runners and then potentially sacrifice herself well then I was right after her and that was basically what I was told to do the same thing and it didn't still make any sense to me I'm like well I'd rather get myself out and so it was something I was forced to do that I was not necessarily comfortable with and sometimes playing to those players' strengths is more fundamental than doing the fundamentals of like what you would normally do. So I would just say like one thing that I've learned is that if you have something that you're concerned with and your coach or captain is suggesting that you do one thing from a kicking standpoint, maybe make it, don't be afraid to speak up and say, hey, look, I don't really feel comfortable doing that uh, because there's nothing ever wrong with that. It, that would be your captain or coach would respect you so much more than saying, okay, and then not being able to execute because you think that you can and then you walk up unconfident to the plate. Okay. I, no, that's great. I mean, that's uh, pinpoints exactly kind of that scenario. Yeah. And I think that's where practice comes in, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you know, for KVKL, we, we haven't had practice for several years. I mean – and when we did, it's always been the same, like two or three people that show up. Um, but yeah, so I think, I feel like if you're reflecting on a game and your coach says, hey, can you do this for me? And you don't feel comfortable doing it, that should be the exact thing that you work, work on, on in practice. Um, just looking at it from a player development. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I can agree with that. So one other thing is, so that's kind of breaking down like, the big plays and that's one thing that I typically look at because there's usually like I don't know three or four just key things and it's the easiest thing to remember right Mm -hmm. somebody that kicks a home run somebody that drops the ball in the outfield uh, with bases loaded or gets smoked in left field like myself you know Mm. loses the game (laughs) Uh, uh, (laughs) um, it was a long time ago in my mind, it's my first you know. day. <laughs> uh, right. Uh, but there's things like that that obviously stand out. And I think that there's some validity, maybe in the long run, is what we've kind of established or I've kind of sorted out for myself. Um, but there's also like breaking down your areas of weakness on defense and offense. And so it's kind of interesting because, Simon, you and I have actually talked about this, but breaking down infield. Mm-hmm. And so when I break down infield, I always, I, in my mind, I, I view it as uh, 
bunt defense. Mm-hmm. And so I actually I look at basically the pitcher, the third baseman, and the catcher. Yeah. As being like those are the key. The triangle there. Yeah. That triangle. Yeah. Um, but you, do you think that they're like so? For me, those three seem to play the most important role of like, do we have the right people in those spots? Mm-hmm. But I know when you and I were talking, you brought up you view it more as what third base, uh, catcher, and first. Is that right? Like you, you kind of analyze it in that sense. Well, um, well, no. If I think about it traditionally, I do think of it's the pitcher, the pitcher, the catcher, and the third baseman. But, um. Gosh, the, the first baseman is so huge. I mean... It's definitely an underrated. Like, I don't think people realize the true value in that. Yeah. One thing that has been cool is uh, Deagles. Yeah. They had first base, female. And then what was the other team? There's another team that's, um, that also had a, a first base, mm-hmm. female. Really? And so I'm, I'm going to be kind of excited to see... I really think that that's a thing that could work. And I know we've, we've discussed it before on yeah. about I think on the last podcast was like, what are the most important things in your like height, <laughs> you know, like yeah. arm stretch, like all of these things. Big but, hands. I mean, well, it boils down to, can you catch the fucking ball? Can yeah. you catch <laughs> the fucking ball? Right. That's, that's what I'm yeah. saying. But, uh, you know, I, I do think if I were to look at, if I could have any first baseman, it you know to to grab from another team um it's not like i've looked at every first baseman in the league so i I apologize if i'm missing out on some somebody but like ryan julian like his height his ability to throw the ball Mm -hmm. to third like um and for the most part i think he catches it you know what i mean i he might have times where he drops it i guess but every time i've seen him play he catches it you know and i feel like cj was kind of the same way yeah so Agreed. So, going back to like breaking down. All right, did we lose this game because of the bunt? Right. So, in my my opinion, I look at all right. Do we have the right person at third? Do we have the right p- person at catch? And mm-hmm. Do we have the right p- person at pitch? Yeah. That's how my mindset goes. Yeah. Would you analyze it the same, or where about what about like? Do we need a bunt block? That whole portion of it. So I think that if you have. Um somebody for example like Kenny as a pitcher you don't really need a bump block because he can make up for it with speed you know um up that first baseline so yeah I I guess it just depends on your whole I guess what kind of players you have first of all but um also just what your team feels comfortable with I know a lot of girls don't really feel comfortable playing bump block doesn't feel natural um I think when Betsy's done it you You've always done yeah. really, really well at it. I don't mind it. It's just more situationally for me, though. Like, leadoff, I would very rarely have a bunt block because you know that they're not going to, there's no reason to go up one mm-hmm. in that scenario. So, you know that it's not going to go there. If it does, by chance, with like a miss kick or something like that, you have a, it's not going to go directly right up one. And so, your pitcher should be able to slide over and make that easy play. But, um, in the in the past when we used bunt block um i i usually don't mind it coming up from second base and moving or moving up shifting up knowing that i have a strong defense behind me to kind of back up the second base gap so and i guess like when you're looking at it too you just 
by the end of the game, you, you have a good like um, profile of how people, their tendencies, mm-hmm. the, your opponent's tendencies. So if you look after an inning, like, well, how did, we, how did they get on? And if, if they got on by like going up one a, a lot, mm-hmm. then yeah, you need to make an adjustment. So let's figure something out. Um, one thing to talk about real quick is yeah. understanding the what you just said there, mm-hmm. Betsy, about the bump block being there not on the first kick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it a first kicker? So I was a first kicker for a very long time. Um, we'll, we'll never intentionally bunt down one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ideally, if they're going to bunt, they're going to try and bunt down straight down third mm-hmm. baseline because usually the third baseman runs in at an angle and then the catcher has to run out and make a further throw. They're going to gap kick between pitcher and third uh, or they're even going to look over third base. Right. Yeah. Uh, so then now being a second kicker, when there's a person on first, I'm going to bunt up first base. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, right. Like, yeah. That's, yeah. That's what a good... Uh, teammate does yes because if you bunt up the third baseline it's making it an easier throw to second base mm-hmm. uh, versus to get your lead runner out versus advancing them yeah. and also if you can clear from a second kicker standpoint if you can clear uh, that first baseline so the pitcher or second has to make the play mm-hmm. or the first baseman and you're relatively fast you're on every time and your runners advance right yeah, that was one adjustment. You kind of mentioned it, um, like with the leadoff um, that we kind of made midseason. Is that like, you know, sometimes bunting can go great, sometimes it can go very poorly. And with you, you mentioned you're kind of like first, you know, when you first were your leadoff mm-hmm. spot, you would kick away, gap kick it. Mm-hmm. And I have found that if you have someone on your team that can consistently do that, that's going to put you in a much better place than a very close call at first that might not go your way because yeah. it's very close um with a bunt um type of setting too unless you have somebody that can bunt literally every time and get on um but it, we made that adjustment kind of midway through the season trying to make things make make a change to see what what we were missing and that was one thing that we used to have cj lead off for us and he would just gap it and was on every time. I'm pretty sure he was close to being on 100% of the time when he was up or leading off. Um, and so we had Simon switch to that, and he's just as good at CJ doing that. And I think that helped a lot. You know, getting your lead off on base is huge. It just allows everybody else to do what they want to do. Play, yeah. play their role. Play their role. Yeah. yeah. Which is so weird that there's not more. there's not more players that just do great gap kicks. Yeah. As, a, as a lead off. As a lead off. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I shouldn't say that. There actually are. Like, red legs. Um, but even, I know James was a lead off for a little while, and he still did his little, little back bump. foot. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and whatever. That works. I think, I I, I might be remembering this incorrectly, but you weren't at the, at the game, but Jazz, I think Jazz House does that. I don't think that they're lead off bunts. I think he kicks gaps. Well, and that's what uh, Muddy Waters. Uh-huh. What's the guy picked up from kicking assets? Like Jimmy. Oh, Jimmy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. in watching their game against Reboot, yeah. Um, this last uh, this last weekend, their top three got out like one, two, three against them in the first inning. By kicking away or No, by bunting. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, uh, 
Jimmy comes up again and just drives one over first base, like tags the line, and then snowball effect. You know what I yeah. mean? Uh, that's what that team was designed to do. But I've seen that guy go through the full like single, double, triple homer run in the game. Right. Before. Yeah. So finding cycle. that cycle, finding that uh, that balance. I would also agree. It used to be CJ and Nick Lerner were the two. They used to gap kick. I don't know if Nick Lerner kicks anymore. Um. I just, all I remember him in the last game was just yelling a lot. I don't remember his, <laughs> how he played, to be honest. <laughs> like some, if you yell at the ball hard enough, it'll actually move a little. Bit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, actually, he bunted. Yeah, I think he bunted and he yeah, had a couple I, kicks too. Yeah, it's a little bit of both. Because I thought he was in front of the line, so I yelled, "That's a foul ball!" And I got, I almost a got warning. ejected, or I had a warning for it because you can't yell that apparently. The uh, all fair. <laughs> <laughs> So we talk about breaking down. Let's just, we'll talk. We'll go into kicking lineup. Okay. So you guys made an adjustment. So I think that sometimes after a game, the lineup didn't go as planned. Right. Um, at what point are you pulling the trigger? Saying so, how many games was that before you actually pulled the trigger to make a change? Um, it was basically six. Yeah, six games. Because it was the first five weeks, and then after the JDE game. Yeah, and I. You know, I had missed three games traveling, yeah. so I couldn't really see the, you know, the symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah. Maybe, so maybe to you, it may have been three games. Right. As a captain. Yeah. And we even, like, it, it, that wasn't the only adjustment we made. We also changed the three kicker to um, to Sarah Riley, mm-hmm. just because she's just re- reliable as far as, like, bunting it down one. And... For some reason, none of the guys on my team can bunt a ball down one. I don't know what's what's wrong with them, but um, so no, it that that adjustment and then me moving to the the leadoff spot, um, I think it it did help our offense. It didn't didn't cure our offense, but definitely cured the top of the lineup. Mm-hmm. Up some runs. Yeah. Well, and then we made the adjustment also. Of, um, I think Colin Keedy was batting third mm-hmm. and he was so used to batting or kicking right after cj in the past for the past couple years and knowing exactly how to bunt it to not only get on but also move mm-hmm. cj and so making that adjustment too i think that at least gave the, our top of the lineup a better chance of scoring and that's one thing that i think is pretty huge is that like you want your lead off on and then yeah Basically, if you don't score in that first, in that first inning, it gives your defense, the defensive team, kind of more hope, considering they shut down your top of the lineup, mm-hmm. and so from there, they're they're already at an up right there because you might not get that one, two, three up in that consistent order again, depending on how the game goes. Yeah, what's uh, interesting with that is that I've always viewed. Like, the number two spot needs to be, like, the most fundamental spot. Like, that player needs to be, hey, here's what I fundamentally do, mm-hmm. not a wild card. Um, the one spot, to me, can be either, because technically uh, a fundamental player can do, if they have, like, two kicks that they do well, as long as one's a kick and one's a bunt, you're probably fine. But also having the ability to gap kick wherever mm-hmm. and read a defense is important. Uh, but I've noticed a lot, and one thing that 
this year and reflecting on like with the Woos, we didn't have we didn't have Boggs for mm. about five games or six games. Yeah. We also Kelsey went to um, Lady, Lady Bird. Bird. Lady yeah. Harpies. The Harpies. That's right. Yeah. So she went to Lady Bird. So there were two like offensive like offensive people that are very strong uh, that weren't on the team. So filling this three and four spot when Boggs wasn't there, we would actually get one, two on, and then all of a sudden it'd be like out, out, and then we'd get to that fifth spot and it'd be another out. And you'd Mm -hmm. be like, if there's nobody on and we've got people on first and second, and that's where it goes back to fundamentally I'm saying you need to do this, but you also need to, you need to put people in those spots to understand that. Right. Right. No, yeah, I think we struggled with that too. Like even after we made the adjustment to move me, you know, to the one spot, then we have the, this weird mm-hmm. no spot in the cleanup position, you know, because tr- our traditional cleanup guy was just, just had like an off season. So, you know, uh, yeah, there's always, there's always going to be issues that come up. I mean, you, you, it's like, it's like you have like a leaking bathtub, whatever, and you plug one hole, then another hole sprouts or something. I guess not, bathtub is probably not a good analogy, like a ship or something like a yeah. ship. Yeah. Yeah. You plug one hole, then another hole breaks. So you got to plug that hole. You know, like. See, I will bring that up though about the bathtub. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dang bathtub. Yeah. Uh, so, are there any other thoughts that you guys have on kind of when you reflect on a lineup? Meaning that, so for me, a couple takeaways are just like your first kicker needs to be getting on over 50% of the time. Mm-hmm. And I think giving that, I mean, and to be against a good team, 50% is great. Mm-hmm. Against a bad team, like 75% is probably where they should be. Right. And yeah. That's the most, like... Most important. I don't know why I view that as the most important. Is that fair as a one spot to say that's the most important? Well, he's the... He's going to be up the most times, like, statistically, like, throughout the game but also the season you know if he stays at that one spot so yeah no it is the most important I would say that there's another very important role that um, doesn't really get highlighted very much but that of the anchor of the lineup because very commonly um, like what teams will try you know you kind of get to the bottom of your lineup and maybe they're behind um, like some kickers that aren't necessarily on all the time and so it kind of gets split up but if you have an anchor that can both kick away and bunt um, and has the capability of leading off, basically, yeah. that's basically starting your top of the lineup. But, you know, say you get out right before the anchor, you're just kind of lucky. And right. you can you have that ability to spark things or possibly, um, you know, maybe you've got two outs, you can get a little bit of a rally going or something like that. But um, one person that I think, like at least on our team, Blake does a phenomenal job as an anchor. Not that he wouldn't do well elsewhere, but I just really, I really like him in that spot, mostly because of his hustle. And then it like kind of, you know, pushes him. Feeds to, it feeds into him, and he get he's so good at that spot. And it's a position or a place in the lineup that's never talked about, but I think it actually. That's so weird that you bring that up because so we have Adam. Um, in ours, and he is a super fast, he's like our center fielder, mm-hmm. um, just an overall fast and a good bunter. And so every now and then, like, he'll bunt, 
and it'll it'll be the top of the order then for him, and he'll bunt and get on. And then all of a sudden now everybody else's job at the top of the mm-hmm. lineup just got easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so that's weird. Do you think it's un- unfair to those people? Because I've actually I've actually had conversations with Dion about well should he be at like the two spot because he's such a good bunner? Do you think that is there more is there more yeah. value? I mean like you clearly had Blake earlier in the lineup before. Right. I guess it, it goes back to the psychology of the player. Um, Blake uh, didn't do as well in that mm-hmm. that part of the lineup. I think being at the bottom makes him hungry to like to get higher up in the lineup. Even though I try to explain to him, it, and I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm not saying this to him like just to blow smoke up his ass. I'm being honest. Like that anchor spot is just as important as the one and two spot. Like it. It is, but it kicks one last time, right? In theory. In theory, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. No, you're right. But geez, it's important. I mean, it's just like because if you if you have like someone who's consistently getting out at the bottom of your lineup to lead up into your top of your lineup, it's just it can deflate everything. Everything. Yeah, or, yeah. or if you've got somebody like that's really slow and then it's the top of your lineup, mm-hmm. like, right. You're almost hurting your team. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Just kinda like reading the lineup, um, probably midway through the season and look at like who's been getting on if they're switching a spot consistently maybe consider moving them out I don't depending on how many players you have that are there every week um but that's one thing like like we the ladies on our team were like talking about that a lot and um like about oh we should kick all four of us and like but we weren't getting on and like early in the season so it's not like we have much of a point to like fight for but if you're you know in a position where you're constantly switch kicking and then you're like look I'm on base every time then maybe look at that or maybe if your captain isn't noticing that then bring it to their attention look look I want my own spot I've been getting on and that goes for male female non-binary anybody um if you're getting on base fight for fight for your own spot but if you're not then you have to kind of swallow your pride a little bit and I think good captains will notice that I mean you know what I mean like I we had a guy that played with us a few years ago and came back. We had a guy that played with us a few years ago and came back um, this season, and he started off the season as a switch kicker, you know? And then he ended up being, like, in the four and five spot just just based on his kicking, you know? So, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I would, you would hope a captain would notice it, yeah. you know? Yeah, we, and he did. Uh, Amanda Jolly. Yeah. She was on fire the beginning of the season and so that's what she was somewhere like nine spot or whatever switch kicking gave her own spot i think we moved her up pretty far Mm -hmm. and you know what like sometimes when you move them up they still she still kicked well not as not as great as she did but also our games got harder so sure uh, the only other thing i guess i would add on that is that sometimes giving a person their own spot versus switch kicking they will actually kick better. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one thing that overall I'm, I'm a fairly successful kicker, but I've noticed that uh, if I switch kick, I go from being like maybe like a 75% or 67, like over 50% to very much like a 50% kicker because maybe I'm kicking twice versus four mm-hmm. times. Right. right. And that is something that um, some people are really good at. Uh, you know, only kicking a couple times, what's going on. I think mm-hmm. sometimes when you put them in a switching spot, sometimes that's something that can affect them. Right. 
Definitely. That's a really good point. So looking at defense, um, we break down being beat by a bunt, looking at your pitcher, your shorts, or your third baseman, and your catcher, and then after the first kicker, so when somebody's on first, I'm looking at putting that rover up there or the bunt block. Mm-hmm. Are there any other things you guys can think of, like male, female, like at pitch? I know that, have you guys made any adjustments along those lines? Uh, yeah, so we, defensively, we did that um, after we had lost our first two games in the in the one seeds. Uh, I had, because Riley had been pitching 100% of the time, um, and so what I, we switched to, uh, when we put, had the double header was having her Richard was at shortstop and after they would get a base runner on first I would have her and Richard switch um, just because I just saw the pattern of they get a base runner on they bunt up one so so instead of the bump block you would, you would just put that out. someone who's like athletic and you know has good hands to pick up the ball and throw in and, quickness and, yeah and quickness and, and Riley is she has good hands she has yeah. Whatever, absolutely. but yeah, she's a great player. It just Richard, just physically. Oh, yeah, he's a D D one athlete. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I just look at that. You know, um, we that was the adjustment we made on defense. Um, it didn't didn't carry over in the playoffs, like I wanted it to. But yeah, it, it did it did help, for sure. What about um, outfield? So when you're breaking down a game afterwards, what do you look for? when you need to make adjustments in the outfield or I mean what are you analyzing there um well can a person catch a pop fly uh, you know okay. so, um, so I mean something like yeah or on the most basic basic like level, that. yeah like, on the most basic did level they, did they drop balls and that's like something on at least on loose um we have some awesome outfielders and then we no we just have good outfielders mm-hmm and then sometimes it'll like somebody maybe left field is the weaker spot, mm-hmm. right? Or right field is the weaker spot, and making a bigger play is not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we get the ball coming there. If they like, if they just drop a ball, it happens. Yeah, right, hundred percent. And again, that's what we look at. Does it happen all the time? Does it happen multiple times? Yeah, I, I, uh, I'll adjust my outfield too, like based on the field and the wind. So. I've you know Blake. I've had him at he's center field a lot, but if the wind's blowing far to the left, I will move him to that spot and then have our quote unquote weakest outfielder play the opposite side. You know, um, so just making those adjustments. Sure. Yeah. And on top of like the, I think one thing that like Simon's discussed is not only. Can they catch a ball? So that's your step one. Mm-hmm. But then can you track a ball is also huge. Because um, not everybody can. Not everybody can chase one down and kind of adjust with the depth perception, like know if it's going to drop or if it's going to hang in the air, whether or not they need to go forward or backward. Can they listen to people that are telling them, back, 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 back? Are you actually listening? Or, sure. you know, that sort of thing. Um, so I think that's another, like, kind of a step two um, on top of can you catch, but also can you track? And then step three, can you track and catch? <laughs> yeah. One thing, so I, I played on the Rockets, and I played with James Finley as mm-hmm. a center fielder, and 
I will say that I, I learned a, I learned a lot. Um, he's somebody that is very vocal mm -hmm. from a center field standpoint, and I think that having that, whether in your captain or whether as a center fielder, but I'm always asking like, all right, hey, am I back too far? Am I back too far? And you scoot up, scoot up. We need to put mm -hmm. pressure on. But just kind of having somebody like dictate, hey, center, like when I couldn't play, hey, center fielder, shift to your right. We want to make him kick to left field. Mm -hmm. Let's leave that gap open. Mm -hmm. And then people doing that, like, don't get me wrong, one out of ten times, it's not going to work. Right. Yeah. But at the same time, if you were in the game, most of the time you're, I'm saying to myself, soft hands, soft hands, catch mm -hmm. the ball, catch the ball. Right. And I'm trying to place myself in the best spot as possible, but yet somebody else has a better viewpoint. That's why they're a center fielder, or that's mm -hmm. why they should be, or that's why they're a captain. And that's one thing I think, I'm oh, sorry, that they're um, like with the outfield is that um, sometimes, you know, there's not necessarily every play is going to come to you like first, second base, or let's shift, let's move, and basically just talk to each other to keep your heads in the game. Um, and a rem in those constant reminders can be super helpful. Um, and then also, like you mentioned, with your center fielder being like very loud and proud about it, like talk to your teammates if you see that they're not getting back that they need to get back or it's going to drop short. Yell at them, you know, say, "Hey, this is I'm seeing the read on this. You know, come in, come in, come in, come in." And just being really vocal with your teammates to help each other out, I think, is big when you have really strong outfielders. It it almost makes me think that because. I'll do a lot of that from right field, and for good or bad, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, but it almost makes me think like a smart play would be to designate one of your outfielders as being like, hey, I expect you to tell in or out, like move mm -hmm. up, you know, that type of deal, shift this way. Um, I think that that would actually add value because a lot of people are talented. They just misplay where they, they are a little mm -hmm. bit. One thing I do is, from an infield standpoint to try to help my outfield is the minute that it's kicked, if I know it's over me, I yell over or over me. And that way they know to, that at least that it's theirs at that point. Like, yeah. And they can either crash in or back up, whichever they need to do. But communication is helpful. Yeah, let's reflect on kind of the infield. So we have the, the bunt type positions. We've got the outfield. Um, what are you looking at after a game to say what went well or what didn't go well from the, I guess it'd be what, second, short, first, or basically just a second and a short, second short pitch, somewhere in that, that range. Well, how did they advance, how did their base runners advance unnecessarily? You know, like, what could you have done to prevent them from advancing? You look okay. at that. Uh, what could you have done just to get an out? Um so like the easiest out or like just an out in general? Like, Well, a lot of times, yeah, you want the easiest out, but if, if you can get the lead runner, you go for that out. Sure. And so making that decision, sometimes you're, you're, you're stuck. Like you have to make the easy out. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no way you're going to get that lead runner. So don't do nothing. Get that out, mm -hmm. you know, because, you know, you get that third out and you're done, you know, so just at least one out. Um so yeah, I guess I guess look at did you get the ball to pitcher fast enough? You know, if you couldn't get an out, did you hold on to the ball too long? Um, if you if you're allowing base runners to advance unnecessarily, that's a huge problem. Yeah, and I mean in the top, that definitely happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And then making sure that like there should be a lot of communication between shortstop and second base and center field, mm-hmm. essentially, with covering second base. So if I'm going to sh- play up at short at bunt block, I always turn over my shoulder and look at Richard and look at Blake and say, who's got it? I mean, if it goes yeah. to Richard's side, that's on Blake. He needs to be covering. Mm-hmm. And um, same goes if, like, if, if I'm back and I'm not playing bunt block, if it's to my side, Richard has second. If it's to his side, I have second. And we just do whatever we can. Like, I try to talk about it all the time between each play. Like, this is what's going to happen if we have a runner at first. Like, this is where we're going. Just to make sure that it, you're thinking about it already. Like, what is, what's my next move? What's my yeah. next move? If it comes to me, where am I going? That sort of thing. Which is, like, it's so hard. It's so crazy to think about that when we broke down each position, like, we came to the conclusion that a person in the outfield has the least to think about. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, I mean, I saw it in several of the tournament games where a person would make the play at short and the second baseman wouldn't rotate. And right. You, and you were just like, oh, my God. Yeah. But if they're not used to playing it, uh, so if somebody's not comfortable doing it, yeah, that's a mistake that can happen. Yeah. So. The, la- the last thing I kind of want to bring up here uh, in talking about breaking down a game is kind of the mental aspect. And I just bring this up because I saw this happen a couple times. When you look at something like somebody maybe mentally not keeping it together during a game, that obviously can have an effect on a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But how, like, as a captain, do you view that? Do you view that as, like, a one-off in the instance? Do you view it as, like, a hole for the season? You know what I mean? Like... I'm just, like, I don't think people realize the effect that that has on a team. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you think is the best way? Like, do you, you say, hey, this is kind of a one-off, makes sense why they're upset, and look at it at the end of the season? Or do you look at it like, hey, if this happens a couple times, like, I need to address it? Um, I guess you look at the consequences of their actions and point that out to them. Okay. Like, you know, so, hey, you you doing that look what happened like so we you know like we none of the refs like us now like they're we're not we're gonna get a call true even though we don't usually anyways um yeah you're on the it's uphill (laughs) right um you know look at how like you have a kind of younger players who look to you and that attitude that you're doing they it they absorb it you know because they're learning the game still like so if they see you p- go and punch the fence, you know, next time they make a mistake, they might go and punch the fence, you know, like yeah. just stupid, you know, stupid letting your emotions take take control, you know, and and how does that snowball into the rest of your team? And sometimes it's not losing control as far as like, you know, having a, you know, like a verbal outburst or whatever or punching a fence. It's sometimes it's just like you your body language, like you you sulk, you know, like you go away from the team and just sulk by yourself and then you don't you're not giving the team your energy like the that that we all need you know it's just like it's it's like if you have a family and you know one of, one of the siblings is constantly in their room listening to heavy metal like by themselves you know something like you know what i mean well, like, like dashboard, yeah. right yeah or dashboard confessionals right <laughs> the, the cure <laughs> yeah. yeah any of those bands yeah, yeah. so uh, essentially like you just I guess place you want to place value on keeping yourself in that middle zone of not too high, not too low. It so, just it adds stability. So as a captain, 
what do you think? Like, obviously, it's. I'm not saying like <laughs> we're perfect or anything like that, but like in a open conversation about it, what do you think is the best way to try and get that person back on board, or how do you deal with that if that's their attitude, time and time again? If it's a one-time thing, in my mind, I'm thinking, all right, it's a one-time thing. Yeah. But I think if that person has like then all of a sudden a reputation now for that type of player right i mean do you think that they're aware that they do yeah i think you i think they are i mean you know especially people who are like lose control emotionally i mean i i had those when i was younger i i did you know like not to the extent that i think people (laughs) like that remember like their perception of it it was like way more out of control than the actual reality um but yeah, I mean, you're aware of it. I mean, I, for the most part. I I think like a an example I think is with our catcher, uh, Colin Kitty at the end of uh, the season last year. He was very upset, and everyone could tell, um, and including us. And we were upset that he behaved that way. Mm-hmm. And Simon reached out to him and talked to him about it. Like, look, we don't we don't want that kind of thing. Like you can't do that. You can't give up on our team just because we're not getting calls. We're never going to get calls. And he took that to heart, took some time to himself, like, you know, reflecting. And he has been so awesome this season. And I am so very impressed. And like, he's become like one of my like new favorite teammates, you know, because he's, so strong in that regard and he cares a lot and it shows because he made he did a lot of work with himself on improving that and he's been much more level-headed people aren't getting under his skin like he'll get fired up but he doesn't let it show um and so he kind of he he took it as like a learning point and a growth point from his from his own standpoint and he's made a lot of work on that and it shows at least to the people that know him a little bit more closely um like I know that that was like that strategies for a lot of teams because they know his past, but sometimes they were like thrown off. They're like, why isn't he getting so pissed off? You know? And, and I, I feel like it's almost a strategy for referees too. Like we had uh, an umpire or referee, whatever you want to call him in kickball, I don't know, um, that was just right away just attitude towards us. You know, like he just, you know, when you have a reputation for having like that thing, they you just jump on people. For, regardless of what's actually the situation you know so that that happens too you know where people they hear about your team or they've seen you in the past and so they that filters into how their attitude towards you and and then that can become like a self-fulfilling prophecy it's like this guy's a douchebag i'm gonna treat him like a douche and then of course he's gonna react and be a douchebag (laughs) you know what i mean like it's like shocker you know it's like if you treat people like shit like they're gonna they're gonna do the same you know like yeah so i will say that uh that's a hard conversation to have Mm -hmm. for sure like yeah like what you had with colin it's and i think with any captain if you have people on your team saying i don't want to play with this person Mm -hmm. this person's attitude was so bad and then that means that you as a captain you've got to address it like when you just bring them back on the team if you have not addressed it uh, you were asking for your team to, to self-destruct more. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's, I mean, that's a very, that's a difficult conversation to have. Uh, it, I don't even know, is that possible to have mid-season? 
No. I I mean like yeah. It, this is too much of a it's too much of a, a rec sport. Right. I think to be in that you know that setting where it's like I'm getting paid to coach a team <laughs> and my job's on the line type deal. Right. This is more like <laughs> yeah. These are hey, my friends. These are my yeah. friends. Yeah. And guess what? Now they all don't want to be on the team because mm-hmm. of this one person. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if, unless the person's, like, doing something, like, you know, that's, like, you know, unlawful, you know, <laughs> something like that, like, in a, in a, you know, completely inappropriate. Killing referees. <laughs> right. You're gone. You're, yeah. you're, yeah. you're yeah. out of here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Too or, many people have done Or, like, sex, sexually harassing your teammates, something yeah. like that, you know, like, all right. yeah. you know, some, something that's, like, unacceptable. Um yeah, like you don't want to do that mid-season, especially like if you don't have the numbers, you know, like um, without that person, you don't have a full team. Like, yeah, you probably don't want to, to, to pull that mid-season. You probably just want to kind of address it as best as you can, unless, unless it's, it's unlawful. unlawful. Yeah, you can address it. Right. <laughs> yeah, or unethical, whatever. Yeah. Well, you kind of, you know, those players make an investment. <laughs> yeah, they're a narc. They're a narc. <laughs> those players, you know, make an investment by um, agreeing to play with your team and being part of that team, too. So it's like you, even if you're not necessarily like the most thrilled with one person, like you, they're still your teammate. And you want to do whatever you can with what you have and try to highlight that and make improvements. And so, like, I don't think midseason wouldn't be a, an easy thing to go about, especially if you're looking for that player to still maybe play with you. Yeah. And I, then, I, don't, I don't have any yeah. captain experience yeah. either. I think that there's reflecting on things from, like, an overall perspective. Sure. You know, like, just like you said. And then I think there is, like, the internal perspective which is like you know like you had said if i make a mistake i own up to it Mm -hmm. and then i go after it again and it kind of takes us to kind of the last little bit here of like reflecting on a season okay so in the next few weeks seasons will end and i think that people need to reflect on that Um, i do think that there's the individual and then there's the team and so I know for me, it's more of like the individual side of it. So I reflect on, well, did I kick as well as I, I wanted? Did I practice to make sure that I kicked as well as I wanted? Uh, where are my areas of improvement? Like, all right, maybe I played offense well, but defensively, I need to figure out a way to, to become more aware in right field, if that's the position you're going to play. Or... If I'm going to be in the infield, maybe I need to watch some other teams that do this position well to make sure that I do it better next season. Um, But for me, I typically, I just look at, on the individual side, hey, how well did I do what my job was? So as a second kicker, did I move my my first runner? And when they weren't on, did I get on pace? Mm -hmm. Defensively, did I get beat? Did I lose the game for anyone? you know, are there any moments that I made awesome catches? Uh, which to highlight? Yeah, there was there was a handful of uh, like in city league. I came out one time and filled in for a team, and it was just like everybody just straight kicked to center field, and I was on fire, and nice. I was catching all sorts of balls. I still remember that, and that was from you know four months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to remember the good things that you do. Oh, for sure. Because really, like that's what makes you a better player 
And when you capitalize and you remember those good things, uh, you know what you're capable of. You also know like, okay, I did that really well and it worked. So now you know what to do again mm -hmm. um, versus like the mistakes like that happened. You know, you remember from those as well. Yeah. I, <laughs> I kind of made the mistake of thinking that when we lost this last week that our season was over. And so I was really pretty brutally honest with everybody, like about the season, you know, I'm like, I was like, let's just be honest. Cause the season's over. <laughs> I was like, we were terrible, you know, like as far as like our expectations, my expectations for our team um, and how we performed, it was just such a, such a gap there, you know, yeah. the entire season. Um, and granted, like, you know, if our season was a, a team who was mid-level last year and this is like where they're at, they'd be like thrilled, you know, like great season, but like free, like free state this year. Right. Yeah. Like free state. They yeah. had like eight and two and then they beat Chalmers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then they lost to Kansas street care. Yeah. Great. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. a good season. Yeah, for sure. So I, yeah. So I kind of just broke down like, you know, we couldn't do this. We couldn't do that. But, you know, and at, at the end, though, it's like, I still love you guys. Like, you're my family. But I was like, we were better than this, you know? Like, and this was just, you know, I, you got to air your grievances. Otherwise, they, they'll bubble up. Um, I don't know. I mean, Betsy was there for it. So I, <laughs> I hope it wasn't too brutal. I <clears throat> No, I mean, I, I personally, I appreciate honesty. That, like, we weren't where we were trying to get the whole season and everybody felt it nobody just wanted to say it so it was kind of one of those like yeah it sucks to have to listen to that when you know you're part of that team and you know that we can do better but at the same time it like I appreciate the honesty because you don't want to dance around something that everybody knows but nobody just wants to say so yeah I think something to take away like when you reflected a season uh is obviously reliability. Mm -hmm. Like I think a lot of teams don't really realize that, but you looked at uh, like Los Matadors. They lost to Sacred Sword because the, well, Sacred Sword just beat them. You know, yeah. let's be clear. But um, every podcast that you hear is, oh, we lost, but we were missing X, mm -hmm. Y, Z. That's mm -hmm. every like KVKL podcast. The person that gets on the mic is like. Oh, it was a close. It would have been a close game if these three people were here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah. how do you? How do you? Okay. So we'll kind of close on this. So yeah. at the end of a season, what are like two things that you look at? It can be an individual for you. It can be a captain. Um, so for me, I look at just because I'm more of a, I view myself more of a kicker. I view how I kicked. And then I view what big win did we have that was like a, that was a good win that, that we actually, that we ended up winning. A good win that we had that we ended up winning. That all makes sense. <laughs> uh, so those are like the two things that if somebody is ever like, I'm having a conversation with somebody on my team and it's like, hey, but remember that win. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Positivity, I think, is like, one thing that you need to find like find things that you did well to highlight that and not just be too much of a critic on yourself that sort of thing so at the end of the season I would you know, reflect kind of in two ways like so one internally with myself finding positives and negatives and how can I I personally improve but then also as a team 
What can we do to get better? What do we need in order to get better? What worked? What didn't work? Just kind of a general thought process of like individual versus team. So what are what about like so? Well, I guess Lisa Frank has the chance, like the final tournament, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So what? uh, I guess right now for you, what are two things that you look at? Um, Your season's not over, I know. Right. But after not meeting essentially the, the the championship, right? Right. Simon season over. <laughs> uh, it's not, but it kind of is. I get it. Yeah. Uh, what are maybe two things that you just think about overall, like for yourself? So, like for that league specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, well, in that league, I play first base, and um, my goal defensively is to um, play a perfect defensive tournament. Okay. What and, does that mean to you? And for that, to that extent what that means is essentially anything that's thrown my way within catchable range I don't drop and I get the ball immediately back to the pitcher um, to prevent more run or basically extra bases being taken um, or making the throw to the base to get those people out or so as you reflect on that season right now Mm -hmm. how, how do you feel like you're doing I have played one tournament, and I dropped a couple of catches. I did not have a perfect defensive tournament in, in Kansas City, and it eats away at me quite a bit. Okay. Um, but, Sorry you know, no, it's okay. I, it's something that I want to think about and to reflect on and do whatever I can to make improvements for my teammates. As I always tell them, you know, put it within my range, and I'll, I'll catch anything. I'll reach as far as I can to catch anything I can. So... Um, just kind of focusing on that and then um, making even more of an effort to get to more practices so that I get more yeah. hands on the ball. Um, because I've been traveling a lot and working every other week, I, was able, I wasn't able to get to many practices prior to the tournament. But um, Simon was kind enough to get out with me one morning and throw the ball around. And then um, Angela um, offered to – she had a time in her work schedule yeah. where she had an hour break and she went out and helped me bunt and um, – do some kicking and so it was I you know with the help of my teammates and loved ones like helping me to improve is is something that I just am very appreciative of well I think so one thing one takeaway there that I hear is so playing a perfect defensive game but reflecting like all right had I put in a little bit more time Mm -hmm. that may have happened right luckily for you neither season's over Right. So you still but, have that chance. Sure. Uh, to do that, but I think that's that's a good way to a twofold way to reflect. Right. What about you, Simon? Yeah. So, I guess from an individual standpoint, I look at my consistency on offense and defense. How did how did I do? How can I get better for next season? And then, as a captain, and as an aging player. I mean, we're all aging. I think about, like, is this... <laughs> to be honest, I, I think about, like, do I want to do this? You know, like... Because um, it's very stressful for me. Like, I I think about the team a lot. You know, mm-hmm. like, it occupies my, my thoughts. So We started the podcast because of it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> so, yeah, so I, I think about, you know, how can I improve the team... And I also think about do do I want to do this, you know, anymore? Um, 
because I mean, it, it would be nice to just to jump on a team and play and not mm-hmm. think about everything all the time. Um, and I, and the thing is, I don't. It would be hard for me if I did that to not think about you know whatever team I I play for. It would hard hard for me not to think about the team regardless. But being a captain, like it, I have to think about like dynamics, individual players, like. Yeah, on top uh, of lineups, right? On top of Everything, you know, yeah. And right. then think about, and then also as a player, as a player captain, like you're, you know, you're trying to manage everything and then also play, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's makes it hard. Um, yeah, it's mentally taxing. Um, so the off season for me, I, I enjoy doing the fall ball, you know, and I think I play fall ball just to kind of hone skills. Um, in a pressure-free environment, um, and also I look to recruit players. You know, if I if there's a need. So I, I don't know. That's kind of how I look at it. So what's maybe a, a good way to look at the positive side at the end of the season? Um. So if winning or losing team, like yeah. What do you think the most important things to take away? when you look back and you're like, hey, we need to reflect as a team and say X, Y, or Z. Yeah, so I guess if you're looking at from the positive side of it, um, we talked about this earlier, just our catcher, like hit just huge bright spot um, in our on our team and on our season, um, how he played as a player and how he conducted himself as a person. Um, that's honestly the biggest positive I can take away from the season. Sure. So, uh, and I mean, a, a good takeaway with that is uh, to to acknowledge. I mean, in front of people like Chalmers, Chalmers mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. Uh, does a great job of presenting. You know, the most trophy. I was going to bring that up. Yeah. yeah. The oh, sorry. MFP. No, that's okay. I was going to bring it up earlier. And I forgot. The uh, but they do a great job of like doing that individual recognition, and mm-hmm. I think that it does uh, go a long way. And even if it's mm-hmm. at the end of the season, giving a shout out to some people or making a post on Facebook within your team page or whatever that may be, mm-hmm. um, just recognizing like players that either positively impacted you mm-hmm. or made awesome plays or switched to being the bot, you know, the anchor, and then really picking up the slack. Mm-hmm. And even highlighting, not even necessarily like just a few p- people, but like if you were to go through and say, you know, lineup start to top to bottom this is like something positive you did and what you added to the team I think is could be really helpful and boost morale and like just reminders that you're here and we want you here for a reason that sort of thing too but yeah we made and we had a new teammate that just moved here from from out Mm. you know out of state uh Derek Lilliskoff we call him Lily it's not a nickname we came up with it's an old nickname for him but um just getting to know him he's been a great positive positive uh presence in our on our team and his his wife works for the athletic department at KU so that also we have that connection with tickets to <laughs> that's a nice that's a nice uh, perk too um especially since he hates KU with yeah, all he, his being. yeah he's an Iowa State he's an Iowa State oh. guy so he yeah he hates KU it's 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 pretty it's pretty funny um but yeah, great guy, and like he he had never played our style of kickball before, so it's been an adjustment, you know. And it's it's it was cool watching him kind of grow and 
as a player in our league. So, so I think take time, point out the positives, whether it be recognizing a person, recognizing a game, posting something on Facebook and mm-hmm. your team page. Mm-hmm. I think it's okay to be honest uh, from a captain standpoint mm-hmm. to acknowledge some places that you didn't meet your standard, so to speak, right. so that people know. Um, and overall, be happy that we're all part of a great community. Oh, yeah. 100%, yeah. We're lucky this is not found anywhere else. Anywhere else. And people that <laughs> think about it don't understand. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning okay. in. Thanks, Dave.